0: Welcome to Beers and Biscuits, a dog cast for the rest of us. I'm Karen. And I'm Nicole. Grab a beverage, give your dog a biscuit, and enjoy the conversation. Nicole, what beverage are you enjoying
1: tonight? I'm going super classy with wine in a mason jar. And I've got double dog dare sweet peach wine. And it is very yummy. So Karen, what do you have for our biscuit?
0: So tonight's biscuit is not so much just one biscuit, but it is a treat company, a small business that I want to highlight, and that is Tony's Bake Shop. And if we're going to get real specific with the treat, um, we'll go with the cheddar cheese. That's the fan favorite in this house, Um, but they offer some really great, simple ingredients treats and they do custom orders as well where you can get your dog's name on them so tony's bake shop is our treat and our biscuit for this episode i should say
1: that's awesome i um i haven't ordered tony's bake shop yet but i do love everything that they put out in terms of like their social media content and all the fun things that they show on their page for for the dogs so shout out to tony's
0: And Nicole, who is our special guest for this episode?
1: So for this episode, I have a very dear friend of mine, Jamie, and Jamie is a former client. And I thought, who better to talk about what it's like to live in perpetual hot messness than Jamie? Jamie, why don't you introduce yourself?
2: Well, there is not much left to say other than you hit the nail on the head with hot mess. Um, But hello, everyone. My name is Jamie. And as Nicole said, I was a client of Adastra almost 10 years ago, if not longer than that. Um, So what we've known each other for quite a long time. I met Nicole when her sister Carly was just dog walking for me, for my dog Atlas when he was only six months old, um, when we lived in Massachusetts, and then became the most amazing dog sitter ever that no one will ever compare to and um, a good friend. So I am honored that the two of you have chosen me to be on this podcast. I feel like I do not deserve to be here, but I'm so excited. I love what you guys have done with this platform and every single episode. I've learned so, so much and I have learned almost everything I know from you, Nicole. Um, So I'm just excited to be here.
1: Oh, thank you. I am excited to have you. But before we get started, we do have a couple of icebreaker questions for you. The first question I have is, what's your favorite vacation destination?
2: That is a good one. And I was like sweating, waiting to see what you were going to ask. My favorite vacation in general is anywhere with a beach. I love the tropics. I want to be on the beach with palm trees everywhere. Um, So I don't know that I have a specific place, but as long as it's clear water and it's warm and white sand and I have a nice beverage in hand, I'm
1: good to go. Nice. Okay. Here's the tough one. Are you ready? I know how hard this is going to be for you and this this is exactly why I picked this question. If you could only pick from these two options, would you rather be a Jets fan or a Patriots fan?
2: This is completely unfair. <laughs> I, <this> is the, <laughs> I really would not choose either team. And for those of you out there that don't know, I am from Buffalo. I am born and raised a Bills fan since birth. I love the Buffalo Bills, live and breathe the Buffalo Bills. I don't like the Patriots or the Jets. However, if I had to choose, but I have to choose the Patriots?
0: Woo! (laughs) You made the right choice because if you didn't pick the Patriots, this episode would have been over. I would have been like, thank you for coming. That's all we need to know.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You
0: can edit that out if you want.
1: (laughs) Okay, so let's get right down to it, Jamie. Let's start from the beginning. Where did you get him? Why did you get him? And what was it like with him as a puppy and then kind of growing into adolescence?
2: I can pretty much duplicate every single thing that Karen said about CJ. I got Atlas. Atlas is now 11. He is my German Shepherd. My ex husband, who was just my boyfriend at the time, he had said that he wanted to get a dog together, and we were not together for very long. And me being a dog person, I was like, yes, let's get a dog. And I always envisioned having a dog. And I had grown up primarily in a home where we rescued dogs. I still didn't know enough about rescue that I know now, which I'm sure we'll get into later. I just knew I was in a relationship and this guy wanted a puppy with me and uh, he wanted a German shepherd. And I was like, "Okay, let's do it. So we did some research and we decided to get Atlas from a breeder. Um, We went out, we met the parents, they were very sweet dogs and beautiful. And the breeder, we really liked her. And she said that she bred German Shepherds, not because of the money, but because she just loved the breed so much. And that made me feel a lot better. And she had the dogs in her home, you know, the hardest part for me was we were there to pick out the puppy, it finally came time like, okay, pick your puppy. And I'm like, well, how do you pick a puppy? There's like all of these cute puppies. And I will never forget there was one, they were the M litter. So Atlas's original name was Major, but there was a litter mate and his name was Monkey. And he looked like a German shepherd that got electrocuted and he had this crazy spiky hair everywhere. And I wanted to take him and Atlas both home. But I will say picking up Atlas, everyone always thinks it's like this beautiful moment. You get your puppy, you go home and it's great we got him in the car and I just started sobbing. I was so sad because I was taking him away from his mom and his siblings. And I will never forget I had him in my arms in the car It was pitch black, we were driving home at night. And I was just bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, we need to take him back. I feel so bad taking him away from his mom. It was like the most
0: traumatic experience. You said some really powerful things, at least in my opinion, that I think so many people can relate to. You cried bringing him home. We're all expected to have like this magical meeting of our dog for the first time and everything's supposed to be wonderful and right.
2: Neither of us had ever had our own puppies. We always grew up with family dogs. So we got Atlas home. We had a crate set up. We had toys. And this poor puppy just wouldn't stop crying. And I didn't know what to do. I felt like I was at a loss. Nobody told us how to raise a puppy. Um, And we were in a second story apartment at the time. So um, and we have this German Shepherd that's just crying and crying. And he didn't want to go for a walk anywhere outside of the yard. You know, I just didn't know anything about dogs at the time. So I thought I did until I brought one home. I'm sure that's where, you know, some of the issues may have started because we didn't expose him to much. I thought he was too young. We just didn't have the right tools. We didn't have the right resources. And we were using Google. We were in South Shore, and that's how I met Carly, um, who came to walk for us. And she was kind of like, hey, I think maybe you should take your dog to get some training. <laughs> and, uh We are like, that's a great idea. Um, She recommended Michelle. Really, really wonderful. She taught us some clicker training and treat training, which really helped. That was great. I think we just needed a little bit of guidance and direction. And that was the first formal trainer we had. Not sure why we didn't continue with training, but we stopped that. And then before we knew it, um, Atlas started showing some signs of reactivity to random things. Pretty much it seemed like everything.
1: So I know that's kind of about where I met you guys. And I remember, I don't know if you remember the first time we met.
2: I do. (laughs) (laughs) Because
1: I probably have a very different memory of that. So why don't you tell me what you remember from the first time that we met?
2: So I think I met you when we were in like desperate need for a dog sitter because our dog trainer at the time wasn't available when we were going to Hawaii. Was that the time that we met? Okay. (laughs) And I remember because I'm like, wow, this woman hates me (laughs) because now I know why. (laughs) Because at this point we had, I want to say three other trainers and I remember my ex-husband was adamant that we needed German Shepherd trainers. We needed the guys that had the German Shepherds on their on their pages and used enough force and all of the incorrect words because that's what was needed for German Shepherds. Mm-hmm. Me at the time, I really didn't know anything about dog training. Um, and I still learn every single day, but I know now that everything I did was terrible and awful decision making. And I feel terrible that I put Atlas through that. We had at the time where I met you, Nicole, we had a trainer that was using a shot collar. And at this point, we had already tried prong collars and choke chains. And at that point, I was like, Oh, wow, because the trainer told me after I showed him all the things we'd done, he said, look at this shot collar. It is so much more humane than choking your dog and having the progs dig in. You can just use a vibrate button and it's not harmful. Look how it feels. (laughs) And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Like it doesn't feel as forceful. And he really had me in this mindset that it was more humane to use a shot collar than to use a prong collar. And this was the same trainer that had me walking Atlas down Calm Ave in Brighton in the middle of the afternoon so busy and put him in such an uncomfortable position. He was so great because guess what Atlas was suppressing all of his issues because he was terrified. Turns out that same trainer offered in-home pet sitting. So we're like, oh, great. You're doing so great with Atlas and you know him and we can trust you. Please watch our dog for 10 days while we go to Hawaii. And then something came up and he couldn't watch him. We needed a second dog sitter. And I don't even think I met you until we got back from Hawaii. I think you just picked him up. And then you called me and you were like, um, I have some concerns. (laughs) That was the moment where you really opened my eyes to what was going on and how things could be so different.
1: So yeah, I remember it a little different. <laughs> I remember you and beep, you guys with Atlas meeting me at the dog park. You guys met me at the dog park to do like a quick little make sure Atlas was okay with me because he was kind of iffy with people. You had the shock collar on, and I told, beep, to take it off, that it wasn't necessary. Are you remembering now?
2: I remember that. He has some things to say as well
0: on this subject. He said, yes, Nicole, you are completely correct in all of that. But that was the most perfect time barking I think we've had. So that is, like, I really... I she has to keep that. She has to.
2: Um, but yes, I remember that and I remember you saying, I think you can take that off. (laughs) And I remember now that you say that, I was so embarrassed to have a shot collar on my dog that I didn't want anyone to see it. And I remember being like, We should probably take that off before we meet her, especially knowing, you know, Carly introduced us to Michelle, who was very positive reinforcement.
1: I introduced him to Zed and Charlie. He stayed with us in my then one-bedroom apartment in a very busy neighborhood, and we had a really great time. Now, that's not to say that there weren't any issues and that he didn't have any issues while he was with us, but I think he was probably a lot more comfortable with being able to have the freedom to express the things that he needed to express.
2: Um so yes, I do remember that and I remember I'm like how does she fit all these dogs in her one bedroom apartment and I think Atlas ran like right into your bathroom in the shower when he got there.
1: <laughs> That's one of my favorite pictures actually. Hold on one second. That's Peter squeaking. Hold on. <laughs> um yeah, so I was saying that that's one of my favorite pictures of the three of them who became really close friends, you know, just kind of strengthened that love that I have for Atlas. He was just, or I say was, but he is such a good dog. And I think that's really why I wanted to have you on to talk about things is because a lot of times we get so lost in looking at the deficiencies That we don't see the dog for who they are, and we don't see all of the positives, and we don't often celebrate those because we are so mired in these things that we're told are supposed to be significant issues. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that reactivity or selectiveness or fear or frustration, anxiety or stress are not big issues. They are, but they do not diminish the dog (laughs) in any way. And so that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you today and get, your, get more of your feelings about that and what it's like to to have a dog like Atlas.
2: You know, when we first noticed that Atlas had some reactivity issues or he pulled on the leash, I remember being so embarrassed about it. And and now I'm like, Okay, like, who cares? Like if my dog doesn't want to walk by another dog on a leash, that's fine. We'll turn and go in the other direction. See you later. People get so wrapped up and they want to have these like perfect Instagramable dogs that they can take out to all these cool places. And while that would be wonderful to be able to take my dogs everywhere I go and have them do everything I'd like to do. It's totally fine that they're comfortable and their goofy selves at home and then they can't go other places unless it's safe for them to do so so they don't get overwhelmed. And I think when I was in my young 20s, I wanted that really cool dog where everyone would be like, oh, wow, look at her. She has a German Shepherd and she's at a brewery or this or that. And it's like, OK, well, my dog didn't want to be there. So why would I put him in that situation? And I think it's totally fine.
0: Nicole, where did you find the stream client? And how do we find more of them?
1: (laughs) The whole premise of animal guardianship or animal stewardship is just so bogged down with all of these preconceived notions that it should be some sort of idyllic, never problematic existence. And that's just not normal. And not having that doesn't mean that you're any less of a guardian or that your animal is any less of any less worthy of living a full life. And so what we think it does sometimes it does start right from puppyhood, right? Even what you said, Jamie, about, you know, not necessarily having like as good of understanding of rescuing versus a breeder at that time, even that is so has so much baggage attached to it, right? Saying, oh, I rescued my German shepherd puppy just doesn't have the same panache as I got my, my German shepherd from so-and-so von so-and-so. It starts then, right? I mean, it starts from the second we even think about bringing an animal into our lives. We are so hammered with everyone else's expectations,
2: I couldn't agree more. And it's so funny you say that because Atlas's AKC registered name is Major Atlas von Dukhausen, which doesn't matter. All that matters is that Atlas is a wonderful dog and I love him. And whether he came from German working lines or show lines, he's still a great dog. And as is every other dog, it doesn't matter that he has a last name von Dukhausen.
0: Dang, you're good. I have the I have CJ's paperwork somewhere with all of that, but I could not tell you what his Vaughn is. So that's that was impressive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about some of the things maybe that you did or you worked on or didn't even work on and were okay with as he kind of matured into more of like an adolescence getting into adulthood.
2: Yeah, for sure. So uh, we moved around quite a bit. And we had started putting Atlas in doggy daycare, which I'll never forget, like the stress of doggy daycare, knowing and knowing what I know now. Um, and I remember like taking him to different doggy daycares to try them out. And in Massachusetts, it's a busy place. There's a lot of really tiny places inside that he didn't do well. I remember like taking him like, please like be okay and get along with all the other dogs there and be so nervous. We were going to pick him up and they would say he's never allowed back. So we started doing doggy daycare for some social socialization. We ended up moving to Maine and we found an incredible doggy daycare they were so great they would do one on one play get him warmed up with a couple dogs and he would just thrive and i remember you saying this to me nicole because you're like
1: you need to relax (laughs) like he's fine (laughs) take a breath (laughs) yeah
2: and i mean that's just me like i just want everything to always go perfect at all times but yeah, I always get nervous. You know, he's a big dog and he is a German shepherd and I never want anything bad to happen and I don't want to set him up for failure ever. But so we ended up kind of getting away from trainers and going more towards socialization with doggy daycares um and he would go there quite a bit, have a blast. And it got to the point a few years later that we're like, okay, like we want to bring another dog into the home. We're not going to have kids. Let's just have dogs. Let's rescue dogs. We'll save dogs. We'll do everything. And so the doggy daycare that we went to in Maine, they also had a rescue that was pretty much associated with the doggy daycare. And we told them like, hey, we're looking into getting another dog. Like if you ever get like a German Shepherd, like we'd love to get Atlas a sibling just kind of started my whole spiral into rescue, which I'm forever grateful for everything that I've learned. And Nicole, I roped you in so many times with just different training things and questions. And I can't even tell you how many crazy stories I have from there. But Um, turns out Atlas did not like to share his home with others. (laughs) We, uh, tried a few fosters and crate and rotate. And, um, you could just tell in this, I started to pick up more on body language and understanding more about, you know, when you're doing tandem walks and his ears are back and his tails between the legs, like he's probably not very comfortable. So why are we going to push him to go further? Uh, but I was like dead set on this dog. She was like my sole dog. I wanted her so bad, but Atlas just didn't love her like I did. Um, so we tried crate and rotate with them and he just wasn't having it. So we realized like, okay, he's probably just going to be like an only dog home. He can go to daycare and he's fine. His reactivity got less and less, you know, we could walk him. I think we also started to gain more knowledge and more comfortability and ourselves where, you know, we'd walk him or I would walk him and see another dog turn around, go the other way, always have treats, a toy, something. Um, so I started like equipping myself with more tools to help Atlas. But he just kind of seemed to outgrow a lot of I would say more of like the uh, just being afraid or the timidness of all of these new things. You know, we've been through our, our ups and downs And he has finally welcomed a housemate. He has Hank. Now they're like inseparable but he's selective on dogs. And I think if you do things the right way and just trust in him to give you the cues on like, Hey mom, this is cool. Or this is not. And I think it took a lot of learning on my part. The two of us over all these years together have kind of learned to trust in each other and trust the process and um, help each other out along the way. And then learn pretty much everything from you, Nicole, and ask you every question under the sun. So.
1: (laughs) Um so I want to I want to go back a bit and touch on a couple of things that you said. The first thing I want to touch on is that you feel like he kind of grew out of some of those behaviors. And so I want to challenge you, you know that we always do this. I want to challenge you to think about why do you think that is? Do you think that he grew out of the behaviors or do you think that you two maybe realized how to communicate better?
2: This is a good question. And it's funny because when I listen to your podcast, and I can like hear myself thinking something, but then you say something like that. And I'm like, now that you say that, that might not have been the right choice of words, because how could he outgrow that? Um, no, I I think it's just And it wasn't on Atlas, I I really put a lot of it on me as his guardian. And it's on me to learn and to understand how to effectively communicate and work with him. And I think once I had and I think it's confidence because you have to have the confidence to know what you're doing for your dog is the right thing. And it's hard to do that when you're not a trainer, and you don't know everything. And I think once I was fortunate enough to have the proper resources, like you and some people in the rescue and things like that, I was able to ask questions to the right people and they were able to give some direction. I think helped so much where, you know, instead of just being like, oh, I have... I have a difficult dog. And instead of that, it's just like, okay, no, like this is just Atlas. Like, yeah, he's got a couple quirks. What can I do to make sure that he's not under stress and I'm keeping him out of situations that are going to cause those things to come to surface?
1: Right. Exactly. That's kind of where I was trying to get you to. Right. So you over time were more aware of the things that he needed, the things that were his strengths, and the things that maybe were his weaknesses. And so you learning in what situations he thrived and in which ones he didn't, that is you too learning to communicate with each other because he's telling you things. And it's like you said, it's on us to make sure that we're listening. What you feel is like him growing out of behaviors is more of you two growing into communication.
2: And it's, it's funny, I was just talking about this with my manager, I'm in sales, I've been in sales a long time at one of my jobs, we talked about working on people's strengths and managing their strengths versus weaknesses. So much that I've learned in my job in sales is so similar to the dog world because you're like, okay, if somebody's constantly telling you how bad you are at something, instead of being like, hey, Jamie, you do great building relationships, you do great doing this, and focusing on that, it's the same thing like dogs. Like I now instead of focusing on Atlas's shortcomings, we'll call it, even though that's a terrible word, um, but things he keeps looking at me like, mom, stop talking about me. On some of those issues, you know, I could have been focusing on like, here's the things Atlas is great at. I wouldn't be saying any of this if it wasn't for Nicole. Truly, completely changed my mindset on so many things just from that look of like, <laughs> just, I can just picture your face when you saw Atlas with like the shot collar on, like, okay, maybe this isn't. And I, I feel like I knew the whole time. Like, I feel like in my heart of hearts and in my gut, like, I knew just something wasn't right because I remember just not liking it. And I grew up in a house where my mom would have like the electric fence and all of that. And like, I wasn't a big fan of that. And I just knew something didn't seem right. My ex was always like, Oh, well, it's a safety thing. So a recall and this and that we need to work on off leash skills. And I just knew but I will say like, Nicole really opened my eyes and challenged me on so many things. I'm very grateful for all that I've learned from you and how much care that you've given
0: I mean, she's top, she's top tier. She is, she is what we all want to be because she really is just what dog professionals should be because it is hard to find that match. And it is also hard to find that person that's going to push you to be better. And that's what people should be looking for in a dog professional.
1: I mean, thank you. Thank you. Too too. That's my horn. I mean, I don't I don't think of it like that, right? Like I I want people to be true to themselves. And really because I feel like there is just so much noise out there in everything we do. It just infiltrates and it it gets to the point where it drowns out The things that make us us. And so that's my goal when I work with someone like Jamie, that I want you to get back to that place where you shine, where you shine, because then you can help your dog shine.
0: Well, and I also I know she doesn't. I know she wants us to move on from this, but I just also think it speaks very highly to her that giving all these kind words to her, and she's she's accepting them, but she's also turning it back around. And I think that just again leads to the kind of selfless human that she is. And at the end of the day, that again, like I said, that's what you want in your dog professional. Not not that we all have to be these saintly people because. I will push you out of the way for the last chocolate frosted donut, but it is this idea that we're in it for the animals. I always joke with my clients that I'm not buying a yacht tomorrow with this job We are in it for the animals. And I just think she is, like I said, top tier.
2: So Karen, the rescue I was a part of was buddy up and we took last chance dogs. So dogs that were, Uh, medical issues, behavioral issues, both all of the dogs that would typically be passed up at the shelter. That's what Buddy Up took in. We knew how much those dogs had to offer. It was just like such a wonderful experience. But Nicole, I give so much credit to you because you really opened up my mindset and your perspective on training and positive reinforcement, everything really translated well with the whole board. So like you really changed the lives of so, so many dogs.
1: You girls are making me pour another glass of wine, just so you know.
2: I haven't even seen you drinking the whole time. I'm like, (laughs) I have another beer sitting here, but should I drink it? They might judge me. No judgment. I'm like,
0: I got my Pump King. I got my (laughs) (laughs) IPA over here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, thank you. Truly, thank you guys. But I mean, it really isn't about me. And, you know, I do want to get this back to the emotional part, I guess, Jamie, of what you. We're going through with Atlas. We touched on it a little bit, but also, you know, the emotional toll of you went through trying to incorporate another dog into your house with Atlas. Then you kind of come to this realization that maybe he just is okay by himself. How do you then get to Hank? And then how does that feel? How does that feel different to you than those other dogs?
2: Yeah. So there was a lot that happened. Um, So we can really get into the emotions here. So we moved from Maine to Virginia. Um, We moved from my ex-husband's job once again, and we knew we were going to be moving to Virginia at some point. So we moved and... In the midst of this move was when I was trying to place Osa, who I mentioned before. I love this dog so much. Every single day would go and take her for a walk or play with her. I had her crate and rotate in my house with Atlas. We had her in a completely separate room and I just couldn't find the right home for her. Leaving her in Maine was like the worst. I just it was just the worst feeling. But I knew we couldn't take her because Unfortunately, Atlas was my priority, and I had to make a decision, and uh, we had to to move and leave her. And now, like I said, she's in the, the most amazing home ever, and I'm so so grateful. I still keep in touch. We moved down to Virginia. Atlas, you know, was was good. He it took some getting used to getting into a new place. We stopped sending him to doggy daycare. Didn't even look for a doggy daycare here. I was like, you know what? Now that I think about it. I don't actually think that Atlas enjoys doggy daycare. And I looked at a few different doggy daycares in the area and they were really big playgroups. They were indoors because it gets so hot in Virginia. You can't have outdoor playgroup. And I wasn't comfortable with that. And I knew Atlas wouldn't be comfortable with that. So I was like, all right, we're not sending them to doggy daycare. I I did feel bad that he went from being around dogs and socializing to nothing. But again, like I think back to those times that I dropped him off at doggy daycare, and I don't know if that was necessarily the best move. So we lived in Virginia for a a while and I was still part of the rescue. So I'm like texting like all the girls that are on the board of buddy up. And I'm like, what do you guys think of like one more poll? Because at this point we decided we're going to shut down the rescue. No more dogs. Everyone. We had Chrissy living in California. I'm in Virginia. There's two people in Maine. We didn't have any volunteers. Like it was just like a mess that we're going to shut down. And I was like, are you guys okay if I pull one more dog and I promise I will just foster him briefly and I'll find another rescue locally. I called the shelter. And I'm like, hey, I'm gonna place a hold on this dog. And like, what time do I have the hotel? They're like, okay, well, we were literally about to load him on the truck to be euthanized. We'll hold him for you until five. So I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna pick this dog up. He's gonna stay in my mudroom in a crate and then I'm gonna bring him to another rescue like in the next couple of days. And I was still married to my ex-husband at this point. Didn't even consider consulting him, grabbing everything. And I'm like about to walk out the door. I was like, oh shoot. I'm like, hey, are you cool if I like go pick up this dog right now? <laughs> I'm like, sorry, I didn't ask you about it. And so I go to pick up Hank and he just jumps right in my car. Bring him home, keep him separate from Atlas. I kept those dogs separate. I think it was in total six months. We did very slow intros. And I think that is what worked. We put gates all around the house. We did tandem walks. We did all of the things that made Atlas comfortable. And Hank just wanted to be with Atlas the whole time. We took it super, super slow because I knew once we brought him home, I'm like, I'm not getting rid of this dog. Like I love him so much. He's not going anywhere. We took him for a few tandem walks. And then one day I was just like, I think they're going to be fine. And we took the leashes off and just let him go. And they were inseparable ever since. And I think that's okay that dogs can be selective like Atlas didn't want Osa as his sister, which made me heartbroken. But for some reason, he's totally fine with Hank. I don't even know how to explain it. It makes me so happy to know that they have each other and that Atlas found like his dog.
0: Well, I just have to say that I'm getting, I was getting emotional when you were talking about the process of integrating them because that's a process I'm right smack dab in the middle of. And I... Had made a post the other day on Instagram about it, just briefly touching on a house. People have these unrealistic expectations that dogs are just going to immediately get along or whatever. And I'm at three months, or I, th- I think it's three months, I don't know time anymore, at three months now of having gates all over the house and the crate and rotate all of that. So I think it's it's really nice to hear that it took six months I'm sure it wasn't a nice feeling going through six months of it but that it's it's encouraging to hear that and I and I really hope that that will be encouraging for somebody listening as well
2: it is a process and it's well worth it thinking back to the days where I'd be like sitting on a bathroom floor with Hank just so I've he felt like he got some love and Atlas had the rest of the
0: house and trying to figure that out it sucks. I think another thing that you just were talking about is another thing that gets overlooked a lot is the split time between which dog am I going to sit with and that compassion fatigue really gets to you because CJ, my shepherd, has free reign of the house. Rosie, the new dog that has come in, she's in her little side of the house that wears on human it's like the hardest
2: process to go through but now like I said they're inseparable but it doesn't work for everyone we tried that with Osa and it didn't work and granted like we didn't really no I mean we did we did the tandem walks we did the crate and rotate but they just didn't click but with Hank it was just it you just kind of felt it was the right time and I think a lot of the time you don't know what the right time is
1: well and I think too that you had a lot of growth in your knowledge throughout this whole process. And that's, it's not, it's not that you just took, let's say a dog that doesn't like dogs and was like, well, I'm going to make it work.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, it's just so sad to me when people don't take the time to learn or to understand.
1: That also played a big part, right? That You were able to learn to see and understand and read those cues from him. And you didn't just blow them off. You weren't just like, well, you know, he'll learn to get over it. And so I think that growth in you is so important, too, when we're when we're trying to maybe make the best of a situation that we don't necessarily know the outcome of we're not just going into it blind and we're not forcing things on them. And we are making sure that we're taking a step back and really looking at the communication that they're giving us throughout that whole thing.
2: If you have the right resources, and that's why I'm so grateful you guys are doing this because people don't know what they don't know, but they don't know where to start. You guys are doing such an amazing thing by sharing all of this because I'm fortunate enough to know you, Nicole, and now know you, Karen, and like, learn all of these things, but there's so much out there to like everything you guys have been preaching about that it's crazy.
1: (laughs) And I think too, like, I don't know how to say this. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, but I think we just in general, I mean, society in general, we need to be more okay with like emotional vulnerability because these things do take an emotional toll. Karen, you mentioned compassion fatigue. And Jamie, I know, I'm sure that there were times where you were like, I can't do this anymore. I just want to toss my hands up. I think we need to normalize that more for guardians, that those are valid and normal feelings, that you're dealing with another being that is capable Of emotions and capable of feelings and thoughts. And so it's okay for us as their guardians to be emotionally invested in them. And sometimes that means that we experience some negative or hard emotions ourselves. And I think that really comes to pass when we have dogs that are deemed less than perfect. For you, Jamie, so now you're kind of thrust into this new situation. So you've done all of the, the legwork, all of the moves and shedding some baggage, we'll say. And now you're in this new situation and this new situation dredges up different and more emotions. So where are you at with all of these new changes now with you and Hank and Atlas?
2: Well, I will say because I know this is probably something common. Um, when I got divorced, it was discussed to share dog custody um, and I know people that do this. I was not willing to share dog custody. I have my reasons primarily, uh, well, there was a couple two reasons. One, I was the primary caretaker for the dogs. plus I knew I was doing all the appropriate research on things and keeping up. Um, the second thing is that, they would be, well, the suggestion was one month on, one month off, and they would be staying in Washington, D.C. in an apartment, and I didn't deem that as a good fit for them. The I mean, Atlas has moved around a lot. During the divorce, they were going with me to D.C. I, I was so fortunate my cousins had an extra house for me. It just wasn't a good spot for them. Um, For two dogs that like quietness, it was not a good place. So I was not willing to do that. And I was not willing to put my dogs in that situation. So we went through, (laughs) we went through a transition, my rental house had no fenced in backyard, but we got through it. And then I met my now fiance. He's from a foreign country He's from South Africa. And he grew up with dogs living outside. And he loves dogs. He loves animals. He loves Atlas and Hank so much. But he grew up where the dogs had their outside home and they were kept separate. So for him, like it was it was different for both of us. They were just everywhere. Like They were my dogs. They got me through this hard time. They were always there no matter what. So it was just kind of this compromise. I remember he came home one day and he's like, hey, um, so things are going well, but I, I don't think I'm going to stay here anymore. I'm going to stay at my place. It turns out he was allergic. And so that's when I had to Figure out, like, uh, do I make a compromise or like what's gonna happen? Turns out Eric's son is also <laughs> allergic to dogs. So when we moved into this house now together, we had to decide like, are we gonna integrate the dogs and the kids? Are we gonna keep them separate? What are we gonna do? And then, due to the allergies, it just got to the point we just kept them separate. So the kids go upstairs, the dogs stay downstairs. I don't wanna put the dogs in a situation for them to fail. I just have been in so many situations in rescue where we had to rehome dogs because of issues with kids. And I just was not going to allow that for my dogs. My biggest fear was that the kids were going to be afraid of dogs or be afraid of animals. Eric's son walks in. The first thing he does is run to the back door and says, hi, Atlas. Hi, Hank. Love you guys. We've made it work. I never would have pictured, you know, I was always like, okay, I'm going to be that person. No kids, I'm just going to rescue all the dogs. I'll have the difficult dogs that people think that they can't have and it'll be great. And now I'm like in this family dynamic. It's just important that Eric understands how important my dogs are to me. And he treats my dogs as his dogs. And now they're our dogs. We both ha- are respectful of the boundaries. It's just one of those things like so many people would have been like, oh, nope, this doesn't work. Like it's never going to work it can make it work. You just have to be patient. Is it ideal? No, of course not. Everybody wants their house to be cohesive and have people walk through the house and the dogs be comfortable, but we love each other and the kids still enjoy coming here and the dogs are comfortable enough and everyone's okay and safe. So we've just been able to make it work.
0: But it's also a, a beautiful thing that when you guys have that level of, conver- um, excuse me, communication, but also that you can recognize that going forward, it's a fluid thing. It is going to look different. This might not always be the norm. And it's so important to have that outlook because some people either get focused on what they want or they just get bogged down in this is how it's always going to be and finding the negative. So to have that outlook is really it's really something special.
2: I appreciate it. And I think it's, it's hard because I'm like, am I doing the right thing? Like in my gut, I'm like, okay, well, nothing bad can happen keeping them separate, right? Like I'm keeping the dogs out of any potential bad situation, so to speak, would there be a bad situation? I don't know. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, am I causing them more stress because I'm keeping them separate? Are they getting more stress because they're not being introduced to the kids that are upstairs and they hear these noises and smelly smells and they're not able to do it. So it's been this battle but but yeah, it's been an interesting dynamic.
1: That is a testament also to you. You're willing to do what you need to do to make sure the dogs are safe. Obviously, we're going to make sure that the kids are safe. That's just a given. But you're also approaching this as we're keeping the dogs safe as well. Does that mean that nobody had allergies, that you couldn't eventually work on integrating the household? I'm sure I have faith that you could do it. But that doesn't mean that we have to do it. And we shouldn't feel that undue and unnecessary pressure to do it if it's not a benefit to those parties. For the kids, it's not a benefit to them because his son's allergic. To the dogs, it might not be a benefit to the dogs either because that might cause some stress that we don't necessarily need to to have and create. So I think it's really a testament to both of you guys that not only are you willing to compromise, but the reasons why that you're compromising, how attentive you are to everyone's needs in this situation.
2: I think it's like the same as like this Instagram, just Instagram in general, people like posting pictures with their significant others. And everyone's like, oh, they have this picture perfect life or this picture perfect dog. If you actually took two seconds to understand people's lives, like you don't need to have that picture perfect family or that picture perfect dog. My dogs are perfect in their own ways. Like they're goofy. I can like come home and Atlas is making his derpy little face right now. You know, I think it's like that constant struggle too of like before I was, all I cared about was my dogs. They were like my whole life and now I'm trying to balance it. You can make it work. You just need to have the right mindset.
1: Right. And not also listening to, again, all of that other noise. Well, what do you mean you can't have the dogs and the kids together? I would never have a dog that couldn't be with kids. Again, that's that noise that we all face, this unnecessary judgment that goes along and and is the baggage that is being a guardian. I can imagine how that also affects you. You know, even me with my dogs, I know that I've been on the receiving end of some not super positive, I don't know what the word is, quips, I guess. Well, I would never do that with my dogs or I would never allow that. I would never have a German Shepherd that wasn't e-collar trained and wasn't a Von Dutchie or whatever the hell his name was. I think it's important for people to know that they don't have to listen to that noise. Listen to what is going on with you and listen to what is going on with your dogs. Those are the things that matter. All of this other noise that, that just creeps in is meaningless. And I hope that that we can continue to help guardians realize that the only thing that matters really is you and your relationship with your dogs. All that other stuff is just background noise. So do you have any questions for us, Jamie?
2: I want to ask you guys an icebreaker question because you guys of the icebreakers so i have one question for both of you so nicole i'm going to ask you first so the question is and this question was asked to me in a job interview one time and my response to it which is where the whole hot mess thing came from was he asked me what's one thing that people think about you that's not true and I immediately was like, oh, I know the answer. No, I got this. One thing that people think about me that's not true is normally everyone thinks I'm really buttoned up, but in reality, I'm a hot mess. <laughs> he told me that's why he ended up hiring me because I was so polished throughout the entire interview. And then when I like bored vomited that I was a hot mess. <laughs> um, so my question for you both is, what is one thing that people think about you that's not true? Oh
1: <sighs> boy. Okay. I think the thing... That really resonates with me the most, and maybe is the most impactful in terms of like my emotional well being. Is that I think a lot of people think or have the assumption just because I don't outwardly show my emotions, that I don't have them, that I don't care about things, which could be further from the truth. That just because I don't often show it, that I don't care about people or things or whatever.
0: So I think mine this is gonna sound so terrible at first, but I think it's kind of almost the the exact opposite. <laughs> I can't not laugh right now. I'm so sorry. I think so many people would say, I'm such a nice person. <laughs> i'm not okay like i i have like i am i am a nice person if there's a kid in the street i'm gonna push them out of the way and get hit by the bus myself but then i'm definitely gonna laugh about things i shouldn't i just i have like i'm i'm just not as nice as people think i am that sounds so terrible and that's why you work with dogs (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I I used to work at a car dealership out in California. And when I first got there, they all thought I was just this nice girl from New Hampshire. And I was quiet. There's this one time he was mad. I didn't put the phone call through to him. I was the receptionist. And I just lit him up one side and down the other. I was like, oh, I did put it. You didn't answer it. to in your point. Like, and so I, I'm a very nice
1: person <laughs> until... So you- So you really are that Karen then sometimes.
2: That was the best face that you could have made.
1: Incredible. (laughs) Oh, I can't. I
0: can't. Okay. But was that like the worst answer to give ever that I'm not a
1: nice person? (laughs) No, I love it. I mean, I think it's an an equal curse, right? To to always be assumed that you're just this, you know, like you are a normal person that has normal feelings and you're not always rainbows and butterflies and sunshine coming out of your, your ass all the time. And that's, I mean, most of the time. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's perfectly
0: okay. <laughs> okay. I just was like, does that make me sound like a terrible person? I am. I am one, but does it make me sound
1: So let's wrap this up then. So my last question for you, Jamie, then, is where is this hot mess express headed?
2: And where is the hot express going? No one knows. (laughs) I'm not. I'm
1: not surprised.
2: Hence the the hot mess express. But yes, to reference your grief episode, I think you know Atlas is eleven. I want to make sure that he's really enjoying the, it's really hard to say, but the last years of his life, but I'm excited to learn more from you guys as you continue this podcast. And I'm like, so excited every week it comes out just to learn more and more because you guys like, I don't even think you realize you give these little small tidbits. I'm like, yes, You're listening in my car. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> I hope that you guys can use
0: some of this because I tend to ramble so I'm sorry Paul, <laughs> you have to keep all of this it's perfect
1: Awesome. well thank you Jamie this has been wonderful to kind of touch base with you again in semi-person being able to see and talk to you um and not just via text message but yeah thank you very much
0: thank
2: you guys so much I feel so honored
0: Well, we hope that you all enjoyed the conversation. And please don't forget to give your dog a biscuit from us. And until next time.